You're listening to the Team Guru Podcast. Do you create time and space for new ideas or are you crushing your ability to be creative? I've spoken many times on this podcast about the three evils of the workplace. An inbox overflowing with emails, day after day of back-to-back meetings and stilted, awkward, ineffective conversations with colleagues. The three evils of the workplace have a profound impact on the time we spend at work. They produce an atmosphere of busy. They force missed opportunities for working together and sharing ideas, and they leave us feeling like a cog in a wheel, plowing through our working day. As well as these, one of the quietly forgotten victims of the three evils is creativity. Creativity, I know what you're thinking. I'm not a graphic designer, an app developer, an architect, or a writer. I don't need to be creative at work. Um, yes, you do. And if you don't make space for it, then you'll never produce work that makes a difference. Think about the things on your plate at the moment. The program of work, the BAU challenges, the stakeholders you're seeking to engage, the systems you're trying to improve, whatever it might be. On your plate right now, without doubt, is work that requires new ideas, different ways creative solutions. And unless you give yourself and your team time to think, time to brainstorm together, an opportunity to throw out crazy, weird new ideas, work them over, assess them, try them out, bounce them around, give them a go, float them to a larger group, you are never going to effectively solve the problems that you're facing. I've worked in many organizations that keep themselves full to the brim with emails full to the brim with meetings and stilted conversations, so much so they barely have a chance to think. Like millions of others, I very much enjoyed the show Mad Men. And one of the things I noticed that Don Draper, that dark, complicated, flawed advertising genius, gave himself plenty of opportunities to lie on the couch in his office and just think. Then, after a period of time, he'd walk into a meeting with a client, uninhibited by the constraints of PowerPoint, and pitch an idea that made the room buzz. Pastor Hines. You mean the Heinz ketchup? It's Heinz. It only means one thing. It feels like half an ad. The greatest thing you have working for you is not the photo you take or the picture you paint. It's the imagination of the consumer. They have no budget. They have no time limit. And if you can get into that space, your ad can run all day. Draper did not rush from meeting to meeting. He did not spend his time managing an overflowing inbox. He talked through problems, he understood them, and then he thought them through. So what about you? Do you have time to lie on the couch in your office and have a good think? You probably can't get hammered on whiskey or chain smoke like Draper did. You might not even have a couch. But you do need to find the time and space to do what Don Draper did so well. Time and space to think. As human beings, we crave it. We need it and we enjoy its results. How often have you heard at work someone present an idea 
that they had in the shower. I hear it all the time. Literally, someone will say, this occurred to me while I was in the shower this morning. The shower, a place where we feel free of distractions, relaxed and alone. It's a time and a space to think. We crave it. Our work and our life needs it. So what's the alternative to giving yourself no time and space to think? You probably know it well. When someone who doesn't have time to think is called upon to solve a problem or create something new, they trawl through existing documents. They patch together half ideas that have been floated in the past. They slap it together in a hurry and hope no one notices that it contains nothing new. They restrict themselves to what already is rather than what could be. And as leaders, we have another layer of responsibility. We must lead our team to be thinkers too. We must give them time and space. We must make it okay to lie on the real or proverbial couch and have a good think. But most importantly, we must give them something to think about. We have to be aware of the way we allocate tasks and set expectations. We've all had a boss who gave us a piece of work, half described from a vision deep in their consciousness, with the expectation that we produce exactly what they were imagining. It's an impossible task, and nothing restricts our creativity like trying to produce a copy of someone else's idea. So, as leaders, we must make it clear when allocating tasks where the instructions, the non-negotiables, and where the license to be creative begins. If you want a piece of work done exactly as you picture it in your head, then do it yourself. But if you want your idea turned into reality by someone else, practice describing the bones, be specific about the outcome you want, and then be explicit about the opportunity that exists for your colleague to inject their own ideas. Back in episode 34, I spoke with creativity and innovation expert Gaia Grant who holds grave fears about creative thinkers in the workplace. She says that if it's not already, creativity is well on the way to dying. And she thinks she knows who the culprit is. Ah, well, there are many suspects. (laughs) There's not one killer, but um, yes, in our research over all the years, we've been looking into creative thinking and innovation. And we work internationally, so we've literally worked with thousands and thousands of people at different levels, different types of organisations throughout the world. And we've collected evidence over the years that there are a number of different things that can impact creative thinking at the individual level and at the organisational level. So we came up, after this research, we came up with seven sort of key suspects and those that's what we address in the book. We look at things like we look at fear at the individual level, how that can stop people thinking creatively. We look at apathy at the individual level. How does that impact creative thinking? And then at the organizational level, we look at something like control, where you'll have mm. a bureaucracy that's starting to impact people's freedom to think openly. So uh, there's a few different things that we talk about in Who Kill Creativity, and it really is trying to identify what are those blocks and how do they impact our ability to think creatively and how can they be addressed? So what can you do about it? And we provide some really practical tools and skills to help people to revive their creative thinking. And you very cleverly framed that book as a whodunit kind of a thing, a CSI for who killed 
creativity. And, and I guess the interesting point at the very beginning of that concept is pronouncing it dead. How were you able to pronounce creativity as dead? What are the signs through individuals and organizations and society that led you to, to believe that creativity had in fact died? Well, I, th- I think we say that it's in the process of dying <laughs> because it's, we know, you know there's certainly still a lot of creativity around. We wouldn't say it's dead, but there is evidence that it has been dying in two ways in particular. So one of those ways is um, over the years from generation to generation, while IQ scores have been rising and for a while creative quotient or CQ scores were rising at the same rate, Starting in the early 1990s, the IQ scores continued to rise and CQ scores started to decline. So there was this big shift where creative thinking was no longer rising in the same way that intelligence was. So I think this is a real concern. And this is, this is from evidence that's been collected over a period of 60 years. Mm. Research has been done. So this is quite compelling evidence. And the other thing that's happening is that we're tending to lose our creativity over our lifespan. So while a two to five-year-old, well, 98% of them will rate as geniuses on creative thinking tests, only 2% of adults do. So something there's quite a dramatic drop, you know, even in those early years of a a child's life, it drops down to 10% quite quickly. And then by the time you're 25 years and older, it's only 2%. So I think there's compelling evidence that something is happening, you know, to our generation and over our lifespan, and we need to really address this issue. We are all creative beasts, or at least we have the potential to be. The numbers Gaia put around creativity are frightening. The vast majority of children are creative geniuses, while very few adults are. Unless we free up some time and space and give ourselves permission to dream up new ideas, the creativity will die in all of us. We'll never produce something that's new, fresh, groundbreaking. We'll simply drag up old stuff, rebadge it, pretty it up, and combine it with some other old ideas and hope we get away with it before rushing off to our next meeting. You're better than that. 